0: Okay, so the question uh, we started out with was about positive psychology. And, you know, the word imbalance is very much in use. People want a balanced life, right? So in, the, in relation to what you've been saying about energy flow and alignment and, and, and whatnot, what is the difference between a balanced life and an imbalanced life? Just in the general sense, what is, how do you distinguish between these two?
1: Okay, I, I'm going to return to myself, because that's where I can be most accurate sure. and truthful. Um, I know when my life, per se, is out of balance um, by the way I feel. And, and by that, I mean, what are the thoughts do I catch myself thinking? Yes. When, when I'm not focusing on problem solving or doing something specifically, where does my mind go? You know, the subconscious kicks in and we get an insight into those loops that are going on. And they tend to be pretty negative. Yes. And when I catch myself in that place, or perhaps I catch myself responding to someone in a really inappropriate way, you know, someone cuts in front of me in the line and at the supermarket and I'm really angry at that person and in a moment I look clearly and I see they've got a baby that's in real distress and they really need to get out right and they probably need what they've got in their basket to get out to deal with a baby and I'm not in a hurry so I can be calm about that instead of angry and resentful and stewing Exactly. So I know when I'm imbalanced by the way I feel.
0: So would you say that a negative thought loop creates imbalance?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's part of the... I think the operative word there is loop. No. I think that um, the body, the mind, and the brain are all connected. Right. And we, that's a part of the beauty of what's going on now in research um, in mental health, in neuropsychology, is how are these three aspects of us as human beings connected? The, um, it looks more and more like the mind actually ends up creating thoughts to support what the body, the situation or state the body is in. Mm-hmm. So, very often I'm driving somewhere and I become aware, usually when I'm late, um, I become aware that my body is so rigid my neck, my shoulders, I'm gripping this steering wheel. And if I pay attention, I can tune into the thoughts of, oh my God, you're going to be late, the oh my God right. thought loop, right? Exactly. <clears throat> Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <clears throat> On one level, it doesn't really matter. What matters is we have techniques to tap in and begin to relax the body even while we're driving.
0: So, so just to back up just for a moment, what exactly is a thought loop? Whether it's negative, positive, or whatever it might be, when you use that expression, what, what is that?
1: Okay, um, that's a really good question and I probably use that phrase without thinking very carefully about it. Um, uh, A thought loop is a series of thoughts that run subconsciously. They come into consciousness sometimes when we look at them. Uh, But they just run automatically. Mm And our biology tells us that the people who do brain research are talking now about that part of the brain, which is the default mechanism when we're not actively using our brain in ways to create or do something, solve problems, that we revert to activity in this part of the brain. And because of our evolution, it's basically a negative it's oh my god that could be wrong oh that's dangerous oh i have to be careful about that yeah. and we just fall into that because partially because of the way our brains have evolved
0: uh-huh. the
1: good news is we can reprogram our own brains
0: and that's because the brain is more evolved to begin with with the prefrontal cortex is a bigger brain than simply the triune brain the animal brain
1: yes Absolutely. Absolutely. So, And the good news there is when we're upset, when we're in that unconscious, oh, dear, something's wrong, I'm in danger mode, and that's what I'm talking about in terms of thought loops. Um, Most of us are programmed from early on by our environment, by our primary caretakers to be vigilant about things that could go wrong. Sure. And we all have our own unique language that a thought loop carries for that. But basically, it's the same for all human beings. It activates our physical system to be in a state of fight, flight, or Mm -hmm. freeze.
0: Yes, fight, flight, freeze. These are protective mechanisms. And so those mechanisms are involved in day-to-day life events where those mechanisms become a problem in themselves. Apart from their protective range I mean, Could you distinguish a little bit about that Or talk about that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, so At a time when we as human beings Were perhaps closer to nature We were hunter-gatherers we, um, we survived, basically Because that part of the brain Was developed to Allow us to respond to danger In a way that got us out of danger mm-hmm. However, now The problem exists in the sense that we don't have the same kind or level of danger that we did at that point in our evolutionary path. And so now somebody cuts me off on the highway and it triggers that, you know, startle mechanism, pay attention in a very different way. However, the person goes and traffic, you know, kind of comes down, and the danger is gone pretty much immediately. However, the chemicals that are released in my body from that knee-jerk, oh-my-goodness moment um, are not dissipating in my body. And so the cortisol, the, the body is in a state of readiness and alert that's not healthy long beyond the time when the danger has passed.
0: So one is out of alignment at that point? Absolutely. So when, when a person is out of alignment, uh, could you talk about what they need to do to reestablish this alignment, uh, the way you're describing it here?
1: Well, one of the easiest and most profound techniques that I know is to use the breath to calm the body. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of our evolution is that the minute we pay attention to the breath coming into the body and the breath flowing out of the body, our brain clicks in in a, oh, I need to pay attention mode. Mm-hmm. Because our brain runs on automatic pilot a lot more than I would like to.
0: <laughs> and most people tend to take shallower breaths when there is stress, distress, or just they're preoccupied.
1: Absolutely. So the the way the brain lovingly helps the body to recover from this stress is the minute the brain starts paying closer attention to the breath. Because when we consciously focus on our breath... We automatically deepen it and slow it. And as the breath deepens and slows, the brain then floods the body with these relaxation um, chemicals. We, we go into the autonomic nervous system that tells us we're safe.
0: We're right. Okay. So it's, it's, it is a conscious way of reestablishing that natural balance.
1: Yes, Uh, I don't know whether homeostasis is the right word, uh, but but it's an appropriate bodily response to the environment we're in in the moment. So the thoughts of being afraid, the thoughts of what a jerk, the guy who cut me off might have been – those are not driving what's going on in my body anymore. My body is able to adjust to what's actually happening in the present moment and reestablish an appropriate response in my body.
0: So that's really, very powerful because we started talking about positive psychology and some of the ideas behind that. Could you link these two together, the ideas of positive psychology uh, that are so Prevalent now in, in many areas. And this attention to breath, this alignment that you're talking about. What is, what is the connection between these two?
1: Well, because I'm not in the field of positive psychology, I don't know what the buzzwords are these days. There, What I do understand is our breath is something that's with us until our consciousness exits our physical body. Yeah. So we don't have to go place or do anything to access our breath. It's there. And learning to work with the breath is a, an amazing experience of empowerment. Yeah. We can actually experience our body begin to feel differently as we... Are conscious of and either consciously control how we're breathing or allow ourselves through consciousness and awareness of the breath, allow it to establish itself in a healthy, normal rhythm.
0: So, some of the key ideas in positive psychology uh, that they that are emphasized subjectively, like at a personal level, things like well-being, contentment, satisfaction—you know, these qualities most people would like to have. So could you discuss the relationship between this type of breath work and the the impulses that come with the reward circuitry, the fight, flight, freeze, etc., in relation to overall well-being, contentment, satisfaction? Because this sounds very good to be satisfied, to have well-being, but most people uh, would say that they're really not in such a state. So I'm wondering if you could reflect on that a little bit more.
1: I think for myself that my life in this beautiful human body with this magnificent human brain, and I'm saying all bodies are beautiful and all brains are magnificent, is a work in progress.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: I mean that moment by moment, I have a different state of being. And the more conscious and aware I am of that state, instead of running kind of on a habitual pattern of thoughts or words or Mm -hmm. Mm reactions, instead of a carefully chosen action in the moment. Um, And so in each moment, to be able to be present and aware of who I am and where I am Mm -hmm. is so empowering. And part of what I am have learned is that being able to be re- grateful to and love the body we have in this moment, not the body I'm going to have when I lose 15 pounds and look better in a bathing suit when yeah. the weather gets warm or... Yeah. After I finish my dissertation and finally have letters after my name or after my kid grows up and moves out of the house, it doesn't matter, you know, or my dog learns to sit and stay, Mm -hmm. that's not when this state of balance occurs. Mm -hmm. It occurs in the moment, within the breath we're actually breathing in that moment and so to be able to move myself back to the place of in this moment what power do i have
0: and, which is also the power of decision making yeah uh, because there's a concept of temptation versus self efficacy and maybe you can uh, Well shut some light the on.
1: the power is the ability to choose yes right instead of running off uh, a habitual pattern Yes. Oh, that's scary. Oh, this is what I do when I'm scary. And none of that is really conscious. Yeah, it's all it's, programmed. Kind it's of. Yes. We're talking about the neural networks, right? We're talking about the thought yeah. loops. Right. Those are kind of shorthand ways of, of describing this very, very human condition we yes. find ourselves in. And... <clears throat> to actually go against society's programming that we need to do or buy or change something about ourselves Mm -hmm. in order to be good Mm -hmm. enough and or happy is this moment of saying in this moment I have a body, I have a brain, I have breath. Mm -hmm. Isn't that wonderful? Mm -hmm. And so we look at the positive part of that, right? And and in being able to do that, perhaps there's an alignment with the body, the brain, the thoughts that are being thought yeah. at in that moment. And there's this sense of gratitude that empowers us to say, oh, I have a choice here. What do I want to do? And perhaps, even though I'd like to lose a few pounds, I would like to have some of that chocolate that just came into the house and if I choose to have some of that chocolate I give myself permission to enjoy it instead of putting it in my mouth and feeling guilty about it Mm -hmm. because that's a disjointedness right we're seeking pleasure but the guilt we feel and the judgment we feel about ourselves at the time we're eating it to seek the pleasure, that's out of alignment. There's a part of us that's judging and saying, no, no, no. There's a part of us that's saying, yes, yes, I need it. And there, there's no coherence or alignment there. There's
0: a lot of internal conflict.
1: Yes, which then again. Which
0: tears apart energy.
1: Well, yeah you 've got two, two energy sure. systems fighting mm-hmm. within each fighting each other within, a, within ourselves,
0: which is the problem of the human being, most human yes. beings are in that situation
1: yes, so the earlier when I said our, our life, my life is a work in progress in this moment, am I going to be fearful that you 're going to ask me a question i can 't answer and therefore be all tight and not really even hear what you 're saying, or am I going to relax in this situation? That there's care and a shared um, purpose of bringing information and knowledge to as many people who might benefit from it. And in that relaxation, be able to access information that who knows where it's stored in the brain, but it's not accessible if I'm afraid.
0: Right. So yeah, so emotions like fear, anxiety, the negative emotions, they drain energy, they, they cause a lot of chaos within the system would you say
1: absolutely because the system now is geared up to protect ourselves and and in essence in this particular situation i'm protecting myself from myself it's my fear that i'm afraid of that i'm trying to protect myself could you
0: go into that a little bit more because that sounds like a person is getting tied up with within their within their own system yeah so could you expand on that some more
1: well the fear response right Right. fight flight or freeze it's biologically programmed into us it it has let us evolve it lets us be here it lets us
0: and it has uh, a purpose certainly
1: yeah to protect us physically right because we can't do much of anything if our body is no longer alive
0: so how does a person then keep that response only at that level for for actual just protection and not allow it to become active in areas where it doesn't need to be active?
1: (laughs) I think that's what mindfulness is all about. So in other cultures and other traditions perhaps that have a longer history than the U.S., the the prominent culture in the U.S., I'm not talking about the indigenous people from Mm. this country, but most of them have a history of understanding that there is a connection, or many of them, let, let me just say that, that there is a connection and there is a purpose to human life. And so there have been built into many different traditions ways of understanding who we are in this kind of multi, multi-dimensional aspect of being a human being. Because as a human being with a human brain, we can reflect upon ourselves you know my dogs have been the most loving, caring, forgiving beings that i know. and they they are a wonderful companion for me, but my dogs to my knowledge don't have the ability to reflect upon themselves. Mm-hmm. and so how much choice it, their choices are different than mine because i can reflect upon myself awareness precedes the ability to make a choice if i'm unaware of how frightened i am and i'm just automatically responding in a defensive way i have no choice there right there's no choice for me to say wait a minute that car's gone everybody around me is driving safely i'm no longer in danger I can stop gripping my steering wheel, you know, with the death grip. And I can release, I can breathe into the tension in my shoulders and actually feel it relax because the brain yes. wants me to relax yes. at this point because that's really what benefits me.
0: So that's like contraction versus expansion. Yes. You know, so when a person recognizes there's contraction, what does a person do at that point?
1: Well, it depends upon their training, their experience, yeah. the information. I think education is so powerful and so important because, in, for me, education is being exposed to different ways of thinking about yeah. and looking at different things. We all, all of us in, in human bodies, share so much. I mean, we're so much more alike than we are different. Yeah, and so in that shared alikeness, we all, I think, want to be healthy, we want to be happy, we want to be relaxed, we want to feel important yes. and, and a part of benefiting the earth, the, the community we live in. Exactly. Those seem to be real human qualities that when people's basic needs are cared for they aspire to right so that goes
0: back to like maslow's hierarchy of needs and going towards self-actualization ultimately
1: yes that that it looks like we're biologically programmed evolved to do that the brain the people who are studying the brain find that when we are calm when we do experience compassion, both for ourselves and the other, we activate parts of the brain that bring the brain together in phenomenal ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is an indication of greater freedom, psychological freedom. And I, I, mean, I use the word psychological, you know, thought, emotion, memory, energy, desire, all this inner space.
1: Yes, exactly. That's what I'm calling agency. Okay we now have taken the locus of control of what's happening to me away from what's going on outside of me and put it back inside of me. Mm -hmm. And so I feel not only valuable, I feel empowered.
0: So what you're saying is that a person realizes I am the controller and I am the controlled. Yes could you say something about that i don't know
1: well i think for me you know how you you asked is this alignment it's yeah the mind the body and the brain are working in a way that every aspect of that is being honored and empowered and the energy can flow Mm -hmm. to benefit all parts of the bee.
0: so energy can flow without obstruction Yeah. So, and that would be a barometer. That's a way of detecting. So, could you elaborate more on how a person detects obstruction of energy flow?
1: Um, Awareness. So, the first thing is to recognize that so much of our life we're on automatic pilot. Yes. You know, and I mean by that the experience of um, getting into my car. And driving to, say, work or to school or to uh, yoga class. And getting there and wondering, oh, my goodness. I don't remember that light or that turn or I was on automatic pilot. I mean, yes, I did get here safely. And probably if somebody was... um, Driving in a dangerous way I would have snapped into consciousness Of exactly where my body was And what I was doing But for so much of the time There's this automatic pilot going on And an awful lot of the time There's a substrate of thinking This kind of barely subconscious yeah. Oh, there's something wrong Or, oh, you left your you know, shopping list at home Or, oh my gosh, aunt... Sophie uh, might be passing away today, and I didn't call this morning, or the the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the problems. Yes,
0: it's like a burden that a person yes, carries. Yes,
1: exactly, that the I ought to or I should have, you know, the should have, would have, could have. Right. That's going on for us yeah. most of the time, and that robs us of the ability... To be actually present in the moment. So in the work of becoming more aware, more of the time, Mm -hmm. part of that awareness is we're aware of our body. You know, how often do you or I walk from just say the house to the car Mm -hmm. with no awareness of what our body's feeling do i feel my foot hitting the pavement do i on some you know level understand that gravity is holding me on this planet even
0: right right, exactly all
1: of that's going on and our brains and our bodies have the capacity to know that and not have it disrupt our ability to to function in the world in Mm -hmm. fact it enhances our ability to function in the world
0: right right right. absolutely so so if the mind is calm uh, a silent and integrated mind could you say more about that because the mind is you know going in thousand directions
1: so i've had different teachers over the years and more than one of them have made the remark The mind will not shut up until you leave your body. The Mm -hmm. mind is always talking, always running some
0: conversation. It's like an internal self-talk that's going on. Yes,
1: exactly. And basically that was programmed by the experiences or feelings of your mother when you were in utero and then those early days of caregivers talking to you about... Life, And that <coughs> tends to be a paradigm that was set by your mother's mother's mother, and perhaps even further back. Sure, sure. And we live in a very different world than our mother's mother's mother exactly. lived in. And so our ability, given all the information that we now have, given all the supportive devices we now have, I'm talking to you on a phone. (laughs) Who could have imagined that, right, years ago? My mother certainly couldn't, much less my great-great-grandmother. So there's a way in which that becoming, taking on the challenge, perhaps, To discipline my mind, which hasn't had really a whole lot of training or discipline, to be focused in a way that I want it to be focused, which is what the mindfulness movement is about. Yes. And whether you choose your breath as kind of like an anchor to come back to or you choose something else, it doesn't matter. But that training helps us become more aware of, one, how the mind works, right? It's not to make my mind shut up because my mind's not going to shut up. My mind is like so much else, you know, in, in me. it's programmed to think so it can process information all the time all the time to keep me safe to keep me going it's just that it's got some outdated programs running
0: but but isn't it true that many people are kind of stuck in too much thinking as so could you elaborate on the quantity of thought
1: well what what Much of, I think, the mindfulness movement and the meditation that that comes from these older um, traditions is about is to let us recognize how the mind works and to be able to use the mind to focus in the way we want it to be focused instead of just letting our Selves be carried on whatever thought process is running at the at the time.
0: So, are you making a distinction between personal desire and the mind? So, when you say that I want to use my mind in a particular way to focus it, etc., there's desire there. Yes. So, what is the relationship between desire and thought, or thought and and decision making mind? Because without it, without some kind of motive, without some motivation or desire or impulse. The the mind may not act in a particular direction.
1: Right. So I would use the word intention. Okay. For me, that that yeah. feels a
0: comfortable word. So what is what is what exactly do you mean by intention? You know, versus just a force of desire or like an instinctual reaction. You know. So for example, you said fight. Flight, freeze. That's very automatic. That, that we understand. Then there's all other, so many other kinds of desires that pop up in life from time to time. And then there's this intention that you're saying. So, what is, how could you distinguish among these? Um. Because we have automatic thought loops, we have automatic cravings or wantings. Things pop up in, in our inner space from time to time versus like a mindful intention or a conscious intention. That, that distinction. So.
1: so to be able to be aware, and what I mean by awareness is the energy of watching something without identifying with what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. So the thought processes are going on all the time. And the more I practice mindful awareness, the more I realize the little quirks and habits and ways in which my mind can work.
0: So it's a realization of the mechanism of the mind yes. directly, first yes. person.
1: Yes, and, and I can then choose, do I want to follow this thought? Because maybe this thought is, hmm, I wonder if the people in my neighborhood are going to register for the census or fill out mm-hmm. the census form and and then i'm off on something else i might say oh i'm going to think i am going to allow i my intention is to understand what the census means to me personally to my neighborhood to my state mm-hmm. and then have A series of thoughts that serve my intention to educate me in an area in which I want more education, Mm -hmm. which may or may not then make me um, get involved in something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I feel could be for the good of my neighborhood, humanity, Mm -hmm. whatever. So there's this sense of accepting the mind for what it is, Mm -hmm. but... Using it as a tool instead of letting it be the master of my awareness. Right,
0: and that's a very big distinction because most people are just running on automatic. The thoughts are just going, different emotions, different memories. It's like, a, sometimes it's chaotic inside that inner, inner world. You know? So um, the mastery of this in the context of you know, the ideas of positive psychology um, you know, um, things like optimism, things like um, you know, uh, k- uh, keeping attention on individual positive traits, uh, love and courage, um, positive interpersonal skills, things like aesthetic, sensi- aesthetic sensibility, appreciation of beauty, uh, forgiveness, originality, you know, these, these really wonderful positive qualities that we cherish. What is, what is a direct way to open them up
1: So I think a direct way to open them up is to begin to be aware of who am I right here, right now. Not who I want to be or who I've been in the past, but right here, right now. And that starts for me with breath. Can I breathe Mm -hmm. in? Can I feel? Where is my body? What is my body telling me? Because discomfort precedes dis ease. Mm-hmm. And both of them are a message that something's not going right, right in the body. And they're not bad, those messages. They're they're like the thermostat, right? You either turn the heat on or off, depending upon right. what's going on in your body. Then you look at your thermostat and you know what to do about it. So <clears throat> there's a sense of I am my body, and can I, one, accept that, and two, love. Love in the sense of being so grateful to my body. Not, oh, I wish I weren't this age and wrinkly, or (laughs) I wish I was heavier or skinnier or whatever. I wish I had different hair, or... It's just that, oh my God, this body is a vehicle that gives me access to the world Mm -hmm. and to other people. And that's not typically a message that is running in the background of people's minds.
0: No, I I wouldn't think so.
1: And so to begin with self-compassion about, oh, this body has served me up until this moment. What is this body telling me? maybe I need to rest, maybe I need to stretch maybe you know who but to to make being aware of my body a priority being aware of my body without negative judgment that mm-hmm. something's wrong with it it needs to be changed mm-hmm. now yeah, I can understand that it would be healthy for me to lose another five pounds sure. and do some stretching, uh, perhaps yeah. yoga and walking or whatever and that that's not just because i understand that that's not going to magically happen in the next 30 seconds and i can have an intention to incorporate that in my daily routine and still love my body as it is in this moment i
0: think that's perhaps one of the most difficult parts just to love the body as is because most people are unhappy with something about the body you know yeah
1: and part of why it's so hard i think for us to do that it makes such sense if we start with where we are in this moment right now and and find gratitude and love and appreciation for all that we are right now that's that's the point of being able to change things to make it better Mm -hmm. right instead of
0: Right, right, exactly, because that is where decision-making comes in, a yes. vision of what I can become. Yes. So that like being versus becoming.
1: Yes, exactly. And we have to be something, somewhere, someplace before we can become mm-hmm. something else.
0: Right, so, so before we can become something else or transform into something else, we must be completely, perhaps radically aware yes. of where we are now.
1: Yes, and and I would say for me, when you say that, the word radical means accepting all of it. Yes. Yes. All of it. And I may be overweight because I've been (coughs) eating foods that don't serve my body. Right. But I was obsessed with the taste of them in that moment. So rather than
0: self-blame, one comes to acceptance, and then from acceptance, one moves into a transformative state. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: And... It begins with awareness.
0: Now, you've used that word quite a bit, you know, and it's a word that most people are not familiar with. What is that we're aware of, and who is it that is aware?
1: Well, I would point out that probably the way I use the word awareness is talking about the essence of being human, beyond mm-hmm. being a mammal what makes humans, quote-unquote, the crown of creation. Okay. And as I compared myself to my dog earlier, my dogs have been much more compassionate and loving than I have it throughout yes. my life. Right. Um, but I'm a, I have the capability of being aware of myself. And so that awareness is an enduring quality, whether I access it or not, Mm -hmm. Is a matter of choice.
0: Is awareness the same as observation? No. Okay, what is the difference?
1: Well, for me, I can be... Well, maybe it is. I'm not sure. Observation often is filtered through a lens that we're not even aware of, but it's a lens of judgment. Mm-hmm. So I can... Uh, I'll, I'll start with myself. I can observe myself in a situation and because of my programming yes. early on, yeah. I can be judging the people around me and myself at the same time without even being aware of it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a very, very that nice distinction.
1: That was selfish that was those are all value judgments so it's
0: like seeing through a biased lens or seeing through our conditioned lens or through seeing through our worldviews
1: and not even realizing that there's a lens because (laughs) there's the belief in that moment that i'm seeing truth with the capital t sure so that i am fat and being fat is bad Mm -hmm. and therefore i should have been different and all of that and it's all going on split second because we have so many thoughts so fast.
0: Right. Very much so.
1: With total lack of awareness that this isn't the truth. This is a script that I'm running off of.
0: Very much so. So, so that kind of lens is very much there in perceiving just the body itself. Yes. So that directly impacts self-esteem, yes. self-worth, yes. Yes. self um, self-knowledge even so many things about the self I, can say something?
1: absolutely absolutely and so perhaps this is um, we're getting down kind of at the basement mm-hmm. of what I mean by awareness which is can I find some techniques discipline myself to start using them and overcome the judgment that's going to come of I'm always doing it wrong.
0: So the various techniques that you will be teaching and presenting in various groups and in these recordings and whatnot, those are to induce awareness? Is that what you're trying to say? Or to bring about awareness somehow?
1: Yeah, I think that they are ways to create new neural networks in the brain so that we can have um, familiar experiences from a different perspective.
0: You know, what comes to mind is that glass is half full, glass is half empty. Uh, but some people will say it differently the glass is half full, glass is half full, glass is half, half opportunity rather than half empty. Yeah. You know, so that's Yes, kind of a shift exactly.
1: In... And it's not just a shift in words. No. Because somebody's told it's, you it's that that's a better word. Right, it's an actual realization. It. It's an actual. Um, Change in my awareness of my interface with the world around me and my interface with the world inside of me. Because
0: each person is trying to become something better or they want to try that. Or at least maybe they have a fantasy of that, of that or they have a desire for that. But that kind of progression for many people, doesn't seem to happen. They keep going in loops and circles and, and they're stuck somewhere. So the, the role of awareness is what I'm asking. See if you can maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, what is the power of awareness in coming out of these harmful cyclical patterns and actually making progress further?
1: The power of awareness is I realize I have a choice. I realize, okay, this is a lens. I can call it a lens. I can call it a neural network. I can call it programming. I can begin to recognize, whoa, whatever truth or reality is, I've got a slant on it based on all the experiences in my life. This doesn't mean that my slant is truth.
0: I have a choice here. How does a person recognize that slant? And perhaps, how, how do you approach this in the groups that you conduct?
1: Um, giving people techniques to perhaps experience their mind and their thoughts from a different perspective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that, there's
0: a lot of power in that.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's explosive in the sense of, whoa. The world I've been living in isn't necessarily the world everybody else lives in, right? right? So. And perhaps I don't live, need to live in this world anymore. We go back to the locus of control and agency again. Yes. Yes. My real power lies in my ability to recognize my experience, the thoughts about that experience, you know, what's going on in my body, what's going on in my thoughts. Right and make a choice do these thoughts does this experience in my body warrant my continuing to to give my attention to that or is there someplace else i would like to put my intent uh, attention
0: yeah and many times people are overrun by temptation so when decision making theory like in decision theory also you know there's self-efficacy the ability to have that quality and then to be to, to be tempted to move away from that into old patterns, so that movement back into old patterns is a problem for a lot of people. Uh, and what uh, what is that recognition? I mean, how does awareness function in recognizing the movement into old harmful patterns?
1: Maybe it's just that this is a pattern
0: to see the pattern.
1: I, yeah, to recognize the pattern. To recognize that it's a pattern, it's not
0: me. Right, so it's a pattern that's in me, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a lens. It's a lens. Right? Mm -hmm. In in the moment that I (coughs) run through that pattern, I make that choice because (coughs) that choice has been reinforced or given me some sort of energy that I liked in the past. But there's
0: a great familiarity in the patterns that we have.
1: Yeah. The thing about our brains, the neural networks, which are another... It's the biology of a pattern, is a neural network. Right, exactly. So the more we use something, the stronger it gets, and the more automatic it Mm -hmm. becomes at a choice point. Right. We don't have to destroy that neural network in any way. We don't... All we have to do is make a different choice at the choice point, and we create a new neural network. And if we feed the new neural network, it becomes stronger and stronger, and the old one, the neurons stay the same, but the connections in the neurons dissolve from disuse. So, and I would offer to you that those neural networks in terms of the core habits and patterns are More complex than we think because frequently we engage in what we call an old pattern and then we engage in in the self-condemnation, the hate, the what's wrong with me after that. So to be able to just recognize it as energy, this is not me. I'm the awareness that is aware of these energies and to be mm-hmm. able to see I am consciousness itself.
0: So I have one final question. And I think it's a very pivotal question with regards to what you were just saying. And You used the expression choice point. Or that, those two words. I think it's very powerful. Because when a person is at that point, where they can go either way. They can go in a variety of different directions. Could you elaborate on what you mean by choice point? And then in your elaboration, could you also talk about the role of awareness at that point. So you
1: don't recognize you have a choice point unless you're aware. The, the, the pattern, the habit, it just runs its course. Right. So with awareness, and that's what we're talking about in terms of understanding the energies of us as human beings and how to become aware that we are conscious Mm -hmm. Of making a choice instead of just running down, rolling down the hill of a pattern that we know so well. Um, So that awareness allows us to say, okay, I'm here, right? I'm wanting to eat this entire half gallon of Rocky Road
0: ice cream. (laughs) Because of the experience it will provide.
1: Yes, and because, you know, maybe I've had bad news, a terrible experience, and I just want to feel comforted. I know full well that I'm going to experience a lot of bad feelings after I get that immediate sugar rush. Right. But I I have a choice whether I'm going to do it or not if i'm unconscious i'm already halfway through the yes. container of ice cream before i even realize what i'm doing exactly. right so the awareness is i've got a choice here this is what my biology cuz i want sugar it'll make me feel better
0: exactly
1: um is telling me but i that's an energy and right? also
0: there's role of breath work right there too
1: exactly well typically the breath work perceives perceives, yeah. That's the what I meant. Yeah, yes, exactly. Say, yeah. So that's <coughs> excuse me, that's what I'm talking about in terms of just these rich, rich traditions and now this rich, rich body of um, research in the Western world mm. bring us different techniques to help us be more aware.
0: Very nice. Very nice. All right. Very much. Do you have any uh, final comments for today's uh, uh, very, very in-depth exploration on a variety of different topics?
1: Uh, No. Just thank you for the opportunity. Thank
0: you very much, Dr. Berman.